Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Gotta Talk, where it's all about real talk on big topics. Uh, I I don't do this often because we plan the show months in advance typically, but we're flipping things a little bit on their head on this week's episode, and we're doing a follow-up to last week's episode. If you remember, I talked with a nutrition scientist about Ozempic and other brand-named FDA-approved drugs that people are uh, using to lose weight, and it got everybody talking, and I love it. I love it for that. But what subtopic sort of came off of that discussion was, what are some of the other things people are doing to lose weight that don't fall under that prescription medication, FDA-approved sort of brand name drug category? And today's guest is here to talk all about, I guess we could say, what falls into the other category. My guest today is Samantha Blakeney. She is Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at New Drug Loft. They have locations in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and... As always, guys, as I say on these episodes that have to deal with medical issues, do not use this as medical advice. Always consult your own practitioner first. But I really am excited to talk with Samantha because she is an expert in all things compounded drugs. New Drug Loft, Samantha, is a place that sort of caters to, I guess, individual needs, right, when it comes to medication? Yes, Yes, the the essence of compounded medication is that it's bespoke, it's customized, and it's made specifically for a specific patient and their needs. Okay, yeah, we we talked a lot, guys, uh, before this interview to make sure that we were hitting on points that I didn't cover in last week's episode. So, Samantha, let's bring everybody into the conversation sort of with a clear understanding of the types of drugs and therapies that we're talking about today. I mentioned that my last episode was dedicated mainly to uh, Ozempic, Wegovy, the brands that we have seen advertised on TV that we know are FDA approved. But in that conversation, you'll recall me saying, and my guests sort of commenting on as well, this isn't the only way people are losing weight with medications. And I think that's sort of the class of medications that we're talking about today. What would you categorize that other ways as? What can we call those? Uh, Specialized or customized medicine, which is what compounding does. It really allows the prescriber to fine-tune a formula to the specific needs of a patient. And it also allows us, when we're physically making the medication, to add additional nutrients or medications all in the same capsule or dosage form. So it's really um, something that is not a one-size-fits-all in the way that commercially available drugs are. And when I say commercially available drugs, I'm referring to drugs that you could fill your prescription at CVS or Walgreens. They're not um, custom made. They are made in a factory. And they're the ones that, like you mentioned, you see all the commercials on TV for. Mm -hmm. Whereas a compounded medication, they are made specifically by compounding pharmacies, by pharmacists who have additional training above and beyond their doctoral in pharmacy. So they invest in themselves to learn how to make a medication from scratch. So that's the other part of or category of medication. Um, and then I would say the third would be generic drugs. So when a, when a commercially available drug become, comes off of their patent, third parties can then replicate it 
and sell it at a discount. So if you've ever gone to the pharmacy and you have a prescription for your thyroid, let's say, um, people call everything Synthroid, but Synthroid is a brand, right? So you can do um, the generic and it's usually a fraction of the price and very similar molecular structure. Mm-hmm. I want to get out of the way right at the top of the conversation, a concern that last week's guest brought to the table, which was the common criticism of compounded medications is you don't know what you're getting. And I'm using that. If you're watching, you're seeing the air quotes go up. Um, there is a concern that without FDA oversight and the policies that are in place to ensure that final product right of the medication, that customers or patients are potentially putting themselves at risk. What can you say about the safety of compound medications that speak specifically to that difference? So uh, several things. So first, um, there is oversight. Every state that a pharmacy wants to ship to, they must be licensed. So for example, our pharmacy is licensed in over 30 states. And what that means is that every state board of pharmacy from every state has the right to come in and inspect our facility. And they do. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, We also have an accreditation called PCAB, and PCAB is very difficult to get. Um, It's a a very lengthy process. There's tons of oversight, uh, an immense checklist of criteria that you have to meet to become a PCAB accredited pharmacy. Um, So that's just part of the oversight. And at the end of the day, we always answer to the FDA. So FDA has the right to enter any pharmacy at any time. Um, if they receive a phone call from a patient, a prescriber, a concerned citizen, they could follow up with an on-site visit, and they do. Mm-hmm. So this this is not the Wild West. It, it is a monitored and a regulated industry. And talk about the qualifications of the people compounding the medication. I think it's important mm-hmm. to sort of clarify their education, their experience, their qualifications, so that people know Um, Although there is a distrust of the pharmaceutical industry, which we will get into, Mm -hmm. there is also sort of a built-in trust of the process, right? We can know that there have been clinical trials on whatever medication ends up being approved. So tell us the qualifications that someone has to go through in order to do the compounding. So it actually varies state by state, but in all states, a pharmacist um, can take additional training at a variety of different places. The one that we go to for everything is called PCCA, the race out of Houston. So our compounding is performed by pharmacists, licensed pharmacists. A pharmacist is a doctoral degree, and then they go on and do additional training to learn how to compound. Um, and it, it's extensive, the, the amount of knowledge that you have to have to compound, the training that they undergo, Um, and again, it's very regulated. So in some states, the board of pharmacy will allow technicians to compound. We're located in New York, which is extremely stringent on their rules and all compounding must be done by a licensed pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So we do have technicians, but they're doing other tasks. They're not physically compounding. Okay, good to know. I'm glad you clarified that. So it does sound like it does vary state by state, but these are people with experience with the drugs themselves. Correct. And all of the raw materials that are used in our facilities and in many facilities across the country are from FDA approved suppliers. 
And um, that matters. Mm -hmm. That matters because there's trackability, traceability, and we personally run a very transparent operation. So if a physician wants a certificate of analysis or a material safety data sheet on every single ingredient that we put into your medication, we can provide that. What what can people do? And we'll get into the, guys, we'll get into the alternative sort of therapies aside from the brand name drugs, like we mentioned right at the top of the show. But I, I kind of want to dive in deeper to what specifically we're dealing with before we get to that. How can we check the status of our state approved compounded pharmacies can, or compounding mm-hmm. pharmacies? Is there a database we can search? How do we know that the one that we might, might be local to us is meeting mm-hmm. those stringent standards? Uh, well, there's one way to check on FDA's website. If you Google the name of the pharmacy and type in FDA 483, that will lead oh. you to a their database. A 483 is like a demerit. You're on the naughty list if you receive a, a 483. Some of them require corrective action plans, and some of them are so severe that the pharmacy is shut down. Wow. And so that, okay. that's, that is the FDA oversight. Wow. Okay. You know, I have to say, I, I was not misled. I feel like that's the wrong word, but um, I feel like you guys get a bad rap, so I'm glad we cleared that up a little bit. Um. Okay, let's dive right into these, what I have been calling alternative therapies. And just again, to clarify, guys, what I mean by that are medications and ways of using them to lose weight that aren't name brand drugs. So let's start with the first one you mentioned, which is the compound medications. What are the formulas? What are you blending? What are you giving people that are giving them the same results as someone, for example, who's on Ozempic? So Ozempic... Well, semaglutide as a, as a molecule is very unique because there's really nothing else out there other than maybe terzepatide, which is Munjaro, mm-hmm. that yields such a dramatic weight loss in such a short period of time. So I would not say that there is something equivalent to semaglutide or terzepatide. Uh, however, there are other ways to tackle weight loss. Um, And one of the issues with using those peptides, GLP-1s, they they tend to cause the weight loss so quickly that it leads to side effects, one of them being sagging skin, to the point where there's a physician in Manhattan, he's a, I believe he's a dermatologist, his name is Paul Jared Frank, and he coined the term ozempic face. Okay, so the Ozempic face is basically, I've heard him in interviews saying he could see them from a mile away. They're coming into the office. It's been six months. They're here for their Botox and they are gaunt and withdrawn, sagging skin and so forth. So that's one side effect. Then there's all these other GI side effects and other things that we could talk about. But um, at the end of the day, there's nothing equivalent. So, oh. It's also important to remember that before this GLP-1 craze, people were still losing weight with other drugs. And that's, we could talk about some of those. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what are the mechanisms by which people are losing the weight then? We covered this last week where the name branded drugs, I'm just going to continue to call them that as a generic term, Mm -hmm. are essentially working by 
creating a feeling of satiety, or I guess, in other words, making a person not want to eat. I don't know the scientific mechanisms behind mm-hmm. how that works, but basically the expert last week was saying, um, you know, you're just not hungry. In some cases, people are talking about the food noise is finally turned off. Some people are experiencing an outright aversion to food that helps them to just eat less. So if that's how those guys are working, how are the compounded medications working in the body? a good question. The other mechanism for the semiglutides and the terzepatides, they also slow gastric emptying. So not only do you feel satisfied, like all the time, some people have to remind themselves to eat, but you also are, it essentially constipates you. It slows the emptying of your system. So that is part of why you get that feeling of satiety and fullness. Um, even some patients report that it's so intense that they can't even drink water. And managing hydration and diet is really critical to success on GLP-1s. Um, and it can be challenging for the patient. So, so there are other ways, though, you know, by utilizing other drugs, other medications and combinations of medication, there are other mechanisms that work to help with the weight loss goals. So one of the things that we make that is on fire right now that people absolutely love is a combination of um, low-dose naltrexone and um, a variety of vitamins that can be added to it. So you can add things like B12, you can add alpha-lipoic acid, CoQ10. Naltrexone is a drug that is commercially available, but the lowest dose available is 50 milligrams, and that's used for addiction. So think about that and how there is a connection to the brain with addiction. So this drug at 50 milligrams commercially available works and is used to manage addiction. Now we compound it at extremely low doses, starting at a 0.5 milligrams. And it's it's titrated up very slowly, which means the dose is slowly increased over time to mitigate any potential side effects and to manage the rate at which weight is lost, okay? Because it is, you know, I'm sure we've all heard for years, like the more sustainable weight loss is weight loss that's lost slow over time consistently instead of a, a massive drop. That That's not great for a lot of people because they can get into that habit of the yo-yo dieting. So this mechanism works by, it, it works on the brain. And uh, the other nice thing about naltrexone is it's an anti-inflammatory. So a lot of people who are alive have inflammation. We all have some sort of inflammation in our bodies. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but naltrexone is an anti-inflammatory. So that's an added benefit. I want to know what the long-term health risks are from this particular blend of medications. Um, Number one, how long have people been using this exact compounded formula? And what are the side effects you're seeing in some of these patients? The This low-dose naltrexone has been compounded for decades. Um, the side effects that we see is if the dose is too high, if a starting dose is too high, some, some prescribers like to do what they call like a loading dose. Um, there can be GI upset, maybe some dizziness. Um, some people say they're thirsty. And that's pretty much it. But if the dosing is handled appropriately, there's literally no side effects. I take it myself. Oh, okay. So what results have you seen? 
awesome results. No cravings. No cravings. Uh, did, you, did you struggle with weight loss before? Yes. I, I personally have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which makes it impossible to lose weight. It doesn't matter what you do. You could starve yourself. You could walk on a treadmill 24 hours. You can lift all the weights, do all the things, and you don't lose the weight. What's what's most interesting to me in this conversation, both with you today and with my guest last week, is the tie-in to brain chemistry with all of this. I mean, we have we have been taught for so long that it's a simple formula of calories in, calories out. And I, I talked about this with Michelle last week. It's easy to become frustrated with okay, I don't understand. If I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning working out, why can't Joe wake up at five o'clock? Doesn't he understand that it's just about, it's really not about that. And and I think that's right. part of the conversation that I know I'm newly educated on, which is our, our it seems like our systems are a sort of complex blend of all things that need to be in balance at once, whether that's our hormones mm-hmm. or our thyroid, our, our liver function. Our, I mean, we are a, you know, a well-oiled machine is the human body. And I think the fact that these medications are working is testament that like, sometimes we just kind of plug a cog back into the wheel. You can get it working again, but the problem is finding out what the problem, what the issue is in the first place. Yes. Everything's connected. It works like a symphony, right? You need all the sections for a beautiful musical masterpiece. So a lot of the providers that we work with are integrative or functional medicine providers, and they are looking for, you know, root causes of things And they typically use a hierarchy when treating a patient. So these are, Mm -hmm. these are typically providers that spend a lot of time with their patients. There's a long intake process. They're gathering data. They're learning about your history, your family's history. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more extensive than what you would get at your primary care physician, for example. So with that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And then I have a follow-up. They typically do expansive blood work. I mean, some, and some of it is really uh, an indicator of your overall health. So they tend to tackle any thyroid issues first. And then once the thyroid is under control and working optimally, then they move on to the sex hormones. That's your testosterone, your progesterone, your your estrogen. And they go from there. And in these conversations, always, always it comes up, doc, how can I lose weight? Yeah. It's all, it's all tied in. Yes, it is. Yeah. It it just makes you have so much more compassion and understanding for this conversation. There are so many influencers out who are out there who are just so hardcore and a lot of them are men. And as we know, their, their machinery is a little simpler in some ways when it comes Mm -hmm. to like the hormone, the, the symphony of hormones. And it just kind of is really frustrating. They're like, well, you know, man, it's like calories in, calories out, and the protein or the like. We, a lot of women are dealing with so much more than just that very basic formula. So I, I love that. Even if people aren't on these medications or don't plan to be, that, that these medications are bringing about these conversations because it's revealing how complex this process really is. Yes, and the you know the tricky thing with hormones, especially with women, is that they fluctuate in a day. Yeah. Don't, don't need to tell me that. I I thought it was like the end of the world two days ago. I was staring at my ceiling like, this is it. I'm fucking done. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm good. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's a real roller coaster. Uh, it's, it's it not is. fun. It's not fun. It is. And we, you know, we put our bodies through so much with childbearing and, mm-hmm. you know, the just the natural phases of life becoming 
an adolescent going through perimenopause, menopause. I mean, we just get pulled through the ringer. It, this is insane. I so, mean, the older person, I get, the more bitter I get, to be honest with well, you. <laughs> I hear you. And that bro mentality is, I don't have any time for that because it's not based right. in science. It's not compassionate. And it's there. there is no one size fits all. There's just not. Yeah. Well, I, I want to double back on the potential side effects again. Um, mm-hmm. I know that it's difficult to nail down because everybody has a different experience with medication, but some of the branded medications that we were discussing last week, there have been um, concerns about the impact of some of those medications on the pancreas, on in particular, um, and on other essential organs in the body. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that as sort of a blanket statement. I don't want to get in legal trouble, but I wonder if any of those insidious side effects have ever even sort of anecdotally been linked with the compounded version of those medications? Well, for example, we compound naltrexone at a dose much lower than the commercial drug. Uh, the commercial drug, sometimes we hear side effects mm-hmm. uh, and the side effects from the very low dose are very similar. So they're lessened maybe in um, strength, maybe they're milder side effects. Mm-hmm but mm-hmm. there's essentially the same side effect. And the, the materials that we use in compounding are from FDA approved suppliers. Mm-hmm. So there is a level again of oversight and quality control. Uh, and we purchase all of our raw materials from PCCA. That's the Pharmacy Compounding Center of America. They're the ones in Houston that do all the training for pharmacists and technicians to learn how to actually compound. Okay. So there can, the, the long short is there can be side effects and they're sort mm-hmm. of unique to the person and just what, be diligent and be vigilant about what you're feeling when you're on them. Yeah. Communicate to your clinician, let them know what you're feeling. You know, a, a well-trained physician who is accustomed to helping people lose weight, they will work with you and they will prep you mentally and emotionally for what you're going to go through and the potential side effects. And then they will have strategies for mitigating those side effects. So for example, the GLP-1s, I mean, they can destroy your GI. You could just feel terrible, constipated, nauseated, all of these things. But again, Mm -hmm. it's very dependent on dosing and the skill of the provider. And you've Mm -hmm. got to work with someone who is going to be there for you and that you don't have to wait for a month for a phone call back or a follow-up visit. You want someone who's They've been there, they've done that, and there's a comfort level. Yeah, yeah, and, and have that communication too and report back, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and what do you think and is this normal and things like that. Will you stay on yours forever, Samantha? <laughs> Forever's a long time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for the, for the near future. For the near future, yes, yeah. yeah. And would you advise any particular caution for people going on? Again, we're specifically speaking to the medical compounded um, ones here. Would you give any specific advice to people who are about to go on that medication? I think any compounded medication, you have to do your homework on the pharmacy who's making the medication for you. That's number one. Okay. Um, There are some drugs that cannot be compounded. Your, Your prescriber should know about that. Mm-hmm. But most of them don't, which is a lot of the conversations I have throughout my days is mm-hmm. teaching providers, clinicians about what can be compounded and what cannot be compounded. 
But the mm -hmm. pharmacy that is making your medication, I would encourage people to do their homework, make sure mm -hmm. that they don't have any of those 483s on the FDA website. And if they have, that they've been handled with a corrective action plan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and honestly, make sure you feel like you're being taken care of. Mm -hmm. This is part of your healthcare plan. So you should feel that you have a pharmacist that you can go to to answer questions, that there's transparency, there's no secrets or like shady nonsense going on. You need to feel comfortable because it, we in compounding, we think about the patient care as a triangle and it's the compounding pharmacist, the patient and the prescriber. And they, we work in tandem with each other for the most positive outcome. Okay. So that's do your homework. So those are things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do your homework. I think that's great. And I guess most health experts would, would encourage that for no matter what version of any medication, just be aware. I think some mm -hmm. of the things that we catch that are red flags on our health always show up and we always have a, an awareness about something being off or different. So listen, listen to your body. We love that advice. Um, what other alternative therapies are we missing here? We talked about the compounded medications. Let's move on to some other ways that people are losing weight. Outside of compounds? Yeah. So the generic drugs were another um, mm -hmm. sort of vein of discussion that we were going down. Can you just chat briefly a bit about that? Sure. Are these being used off-label? Like how, how are they being used? So there's a drug called Phentermine, which has been around since I believe the 1950s. And it used to be called Mommy's Little Helper. Oh, God. It is a controlled, <laughs> it's a controlled substance. It's a serious medication uh, and it's a stimulant. So People that take that medication, they feel uh, a burst of energy. They can, I mean, you know, we hear funny things like, I was up till 2 a.m. mopping the floor. I had so much energy and I didn't want to eat. Yeah. Right? But is, is that sustainable? Maybe. No. I mean, are people still <laughs> taking this, Samantha? Oh, yes. And it's generic. Yes. It's so inexpensive. I mean, are, are people, uh, it, uh, that feels irresponsible in a way to just even just from the consumer perspective. I mean, I, all I'm thinking of is the, the resurgence of the Fen Fen craze in the nineties. Like how is that safe is what I want to know. It's, I mean, it was FDA cleared like 60, 70 years ago. So um, again, it's a stimulant. So dosing is critical. Mm -hmm. Time timing is critical. And maybe it can help with uh, sort of to jumpstart a weight loss, but for long-term continued use, it's not something you'd want to be on. That's one yeah, example. I would, I would imagine the side effects of that could be potentially disastrous if you're on that long-term. You, I mean, look, I'll be totally honest with you. I've tried everything. Mm -hmm. So Phentermine gives you the shakes. You feel like you had the most caffeinated coffee of your life um you can even feel tachycardic which is a racing heartbeat you can feel lightheaded and you don't sleep if you take it too late in the day so think about all the lousy things you feel when you don't sleep yeah it sounds like the worst medication i'd rather be fat and happy <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i mean samantha that sounds and and i'm glad you have that personal experience with it um i know whatever it is a FDA approved, but I guess that's more proof that like, it's not a one size fits all because that to me sounds like mm -hmm. a nightmare. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, but it's also, some people like feeling that way. They like feeling up high. Go, 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 go. It's that Adderall type of feeling. Yeah. yeah. 
never tried that either. So I'm like, I, I know what the over-caffeinated <laughs> feeling feels like. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, I mean, eat like one strong cappuccino and I'm like crawling out of my skin. So I can only imagine. Um, okay. Are we missing anything else as far as this alternative class of therapies for weight loss? Um, I would say in the compounded space and even actually in the generic space, metformin is used yeah. yeah. Tell us about metformin. And I, I just was listening to a podcast and the host was saying she was on this for her uh, blood sugar levels. So what is yes. metformin and what is it doing and how are people using it for weight loss? So it's metformin works on insulin. Insulin is secreted by the pancreas and the, um, the metformin works by lowering glucose level and helping the glucose make its way into the cell to convert it to energy. So when you hear like someone is insulin resistant, there it's that open door of the cell, it's not functioning. So metformin aids in that process. So it manages your blood sugar levels. Uh, and this- It just keeps them stable? It, well, it makes the glucose usable for energy. Okay. And then over time, some people, if they continue to eat lots and lots of sugar without taking something like a metformin, their, their energy intake can, can convert to fatty tissue where we want our glucose to be converted to energy. So when you're insulin resistant, that process is really challenging for your body or impossible for your body, and that's diabetes. So metformin is a diabetes drug. So you see like all the connections you are making with the uh, neurological impacts of these medications. It also applies to, um, well, I mean, it's all a system, right? It's all, they all sort of fit together. I mean, they do. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I cannot overstate how shocked, not shocked because I, you know, I kind of knew, but the tie into our blood sugar levels, our health in that particular regard, the ability for us to manage our, 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 our own insulin and our body's response to dietary triggers of that. Like you talk, you hear about its impact on neurological processes and how long-term that can lead to things, um, neurological disorder and, and, and diagnoses. You hear about it obviously impacting our physical health and our weight and things. Um, this is like, a, a, these class of drugs, you can see why people love them is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. because they manage issues that people are dealing with really across the spectrum of health problems. Right. Right. And it's, it, what I was going to say earlier is that the diabetes drugs also tend to work for weight loss tends to be a nice side effect. So that's your metformins and your GLP-1s, your Wagovi, your Munjaro, all these peptides. Um, so the, you see the tie-in with the diabetic patients, uh, the neurological impact or the brain chemistry that's impacted by these drugs, they go hand in hand. And that's part of why they're successful with helping people treat weight management. Can you talk specifically about peptides and peptide blends that we're hearing advertised? Sometimes they're from medical spas or not, not spas in the sort of luxury sense, but mm-hmm. medical centers where, you know, there's maybe a practicing physician or an RN associated with it. What are they? And do they sort of fall into the same classification of these compounded medications that we're talking about? 
So when I talk about peptides now, I'm talking about injectable peptides. Yes, there's exactly. a lot of peptides that can be used topically and they do beautiful things for your hair, your skin, your nails, and so on. So specific to injectable peptides. As a compounding pharmacy, we are not permitted to compound peptides. It's being done. It's being, and there's dozens and dozens of peptides. GLP-1s are a specific class of peptides and they are under patent. So there's two companies, there's Eli and Eli Lilly and there's Novo Nordisk. Eli Lilly is your Monjaro and Novo Nordisk is your Ribelsis and your Ozempic. Both of those manufacturers have patents on their peptides. Okay. So they're not available. They've made it very clear in press releases that they do not sell their peptides to third parties. They use them to manufacture their brand name drugs, period, end of story. And that is it. There's no generic semaglutide. It's still on patent. So generics can happen when something is off patent. It's on patent. So what are people getting though, then at these, um, at these establishments when they're saying they're getting, getting a peptide blend that promotes weight loss, like what could possibly be in them? I don't know. It could be anything. And this is why you need to know where your medication is coming from. Um, now there are suppliers in Canada in China and all over the world. India is a very large supplier of active pharmaceutical ingredients. But if they're coming into this country and they're not being uh, monitored by the FDA, and they're not going through a supplier such as a PCCA, which does purity, potency, and all this additional testing, mm. you don't know what you're getting. That's kind of scary. I mean, I, I'm, it's everywhere. So I guess mm-hmm. it's a risk some people are, are willing to take, in other words. They are. And even people in my personal life have asked me about this. And I say, absolutely not. Do not take any injectable peptide unless it is a commercial drug. Okay. Wow. That's huge. I mean, I know so many places advertising that even I'm in Florida and um, Mm -hmm. that's a wake up call. So I'm glad we covered that in particular. What else are you hearing um, with, with the topic of weight loss by medication being so popular. I mean, gosh, in the past two weeks, we've, we've just gone through half a dozen different medication blends and things that people are, things people are doing. What else are you seeing happen that's interesting or exciting on in the forefront of weight loss that we haven't already discussed that hasn't already hit the market? Um, I think the combination of compounded drugs are very interesting, they're efficacious, and they are customizable. So that's interesting because, again, it's this is not a one-size-fits-all type of medication. This The doses can be tweaked down to the microgram for the patient. Mm-hmm. So the things that we combine are, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the naltrexone with different supplements like alkalipoic acid, CoQ10. We also compound metformin. And we we include uh, chromiopicolinate, again, alpha-lipoic acid. We can do B12. Metformin is actually an interesting drug in that it creates a nutrient deficiency of B12. Mm-hmm. 
So we actually put the B12 into the compound of metformin and we use an extended release delivery system. So this is sophisticated. This is not some, you know, hack pharmacy making stuff in their basement. This is this requires education, sophisticated instrumentation and experience. So we, we add the B12 and this delivery system works to offset the GI upset that is most unpalatable to patients. So we're talking cramps, diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, and so on. So we're able to dose it lower than the commercial drug, which starts at 500 milligrams. And again, we can add these other nutrients. We're offsetting the side effects. And it works quite well for many people. If they if they manage their diet and they're eating whole foods and avoiding the processed foods and doing you know relatively all of the positive things with hydration and movement, they see a loss. And are these safe for people to be on long term? And what 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 are patients being advised at your establishment as to how long is safe to be on these? It really varies on the goal of the patient. Um, you know, if someone has a hundred pounds to lose and you have 10 pounds to lose, the time frame will, will differ and they will they will titrate them off. So they'll tweak the dose, they'll make it you know less and less and less, and eventually they could potentially get you off of the drug. And that applies also to the GLP-1s. So people could lose 150 pounds on Winjaro mm -hmm. and slowly titrate the dose down very, very slowly to the point where they perhaps may no longer need it. They're taking it monthly, or, you know, far less frequently, if at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and are they seeing an, um, not established weight loss, but like continued weight loss and they're able to maintain that loss after they've been off the medication for a period of time? Typically, uh, so the GLP ones are actually meant to be used long-term. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the other medications like the naltrexones and metformin and things like that, they, they're typically used until the goal is reached, the weight loss goal. And then the doctor or the nurse practitioner may discuss other strategies for weight maintenance. Because the tricky thing with the GLP-1s is that the weight regain when you come off of it, and especially the way a lot of people are coming off of it, which is cold turkey, there's a substantial weight gain regain. Okay. So that is something, it, it, assuming that you have the ideal patient who follows the lifestyle suggestions and recommendations mm -hmm. beyond the medication itself, can they maintain weight loss that way? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In fact, that's part of why it's so interesting that Weight Watchers teamed up with Sequence because Weight, weight Watchers is all about accountability. Mm -hmm. It is about group you know, group accountability, sharing, and handholding. Yeah. And that, that all translates into lifestyle changes. And right. that is like, That's where the miracle drugs don't step in. That's where right. the good old fashioned sweat steps in. Correct. And just making the highest choice every day. And how do you suggest people who are interested in some sort of assistance with weight loss begin the discussion? whether they want to consider one of the FDA approved and branded medications or speak with their doctor about eventually working with a compounding pharmacy on a compounded medication, where can people start? There are, I, I think what the past couple of weeks have proven is not only the complexity of this issue and how 
there are many ways to deal with, with weight gain, unwanted weight, but how many options there are. And each seems to have its own unique set of side effects and uh, long-term results. So where can we start as patients? The endocrinologists are probably one of the most skilled specialties in medicine uh, and they, because they are astute in dealing with diabetes and weight management. The other would be an obesity medicine provider. So that's usually an additional board certification that a medical professional obtains, and they are experts in managing weight and metabolism. So I would say one of those two. A lot of women, uh, they'll tend to go to their gynecologist. So if you've got a skilled gynecologist who is really like a great listener and has a comfort level with prescribing these drugs, that could potentially be an option. But I would say like the hard and fast rule is endocrinologist for obesity medicine. Okay. Start there. Start. I, I my gynecologist is wonderful, but I, I have found that they are busy with many other things that don't involve my particular mental health or physical health concerns that day, <laughs> unless it's literally involved in the exam that they're doing. Um, and that's no hate, no shade, but I think that's a medical system issue, which is a different discussion. But um, and it, that's great advice because if pe- a lot of women I know aren't feeling fully cared for, and that's no fault of the doctors. It's sort of a factor of their lack of time, but they're not feeling fully cared for, whether it be through their primary care physician or their OBGYN. So that's great advice. Those are what other specialists are we looking for? Endocrinologists? What about someone, um, I, I guess anyone who deals with the thyroid would fall under that category too. What about like someone who helps um, manage and monitor our hormone levels? Yes. I, it, you know, it depends on the provider because I'm going to just, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there and women, but there are excellent integrative and functional medicine providers mm-hmm. that can take the whole picture, you know, your thyroid, your metabolic health, if you're obese, they'll take that into consideration and put together a treatment plan. I would say too, if you know of a compounding pharmacy or if your pharmacy that you love compounds, ask the pharmacist. They know who to go to. Okay. That's good. That's good. So you can even start there and find who find out who they suggest. Yeah. Typically, if you go to an independent pharmacy, like a mom and pop type of pharmacy, rather than like a CVS, those are the pharmacists that tend to really sort of have their finger on the pulse of who's doing the functional, the integrative medicine and so on. I want to round things out, Samantha, before we wrap things up with just a question that sort of speaks to the pharmaceutical industry in general. And it's something that I asked you before we started taping, which is, I wonder if there's more of a market and an interest in the compounded medications, the practitioners who are, like you said, a little more mom and pop, a little more one-off and customized in their experiences because of the general distrust of the pharmaceutical industry that Americans at large feel these days. And I know you have experience in that industry too. I want to know why you think we're at this juncture um, with a lack of trust in that in that system and whether or not you predict any sort of shifts in where customers choose to place their trust down the line. The mistrust of big pharma, it's just, it goes so deep. You know, it's, mm. you hit people in the pockets long enough and they get bitter. Um, there, there are articles written about drugs that the price in the United States versus the price, let's say in Europe, 
are they're a fraction of the price. And those drug prices are negotiated in this country and each individual country. So it, it makes people pause and say, well, if I lived in France, I could get this for $100 a month, but I live here and I have to pay $1,300, right? Um, and then, of course, all of the malpractice. And also, just to kind of defend the providers, everybody's like a Dr. Google. And Dr. Google does not, you are not qualified to do anything with Dr. Google. What? Samantha, I know exactly what I'm dealing with before I even go to the doctor. And it's usually right. deadly cancer. Didn't you know that? Totally. <laughs> it's yeah, my worst fear realized. Oh my God, don't even get me started. Horrible yes, medical anxiety. I yeah, no, I, I can understand why that would be, that would be frustrating in a lot of ways but for I, medical providers. But I also think like, it depends on the demographic. Some people, they just, they, they want what they know. It's right. like, make it simple. Give me my statin. Give me my Synthroid. Right. Give me, I, I just, I can't deal um, so there's sort of that. And, and honestly, a lot of the drugs that are on, that are generically available are very affordable. Some compounds are not covered. Mm-hmm. So it can come down to dollars and cents. I think that there's definitely a demographic of people who are educated and do these deep dives and they really want to learn and they want to know, and they want these bespoke treatments that is mm-hmm. definitely a vertical that is out there. It's out there. I think that vertical is growing. I think, um, you know, it yeah. is fun to like sort of joke about the patient who knows it all. But what I have found, and I've interviewed dozens of people in the functional medicine space, in the MD space, who right, who are in quote unquote, the system. Um, and and the, the unifying trend these days is that knowledge that we are taking, whether it's right or wrong from online, is empowering us as patients to ask specifically for certain things and say, hey, actually, I do think we need to test more of this or, hey, I'm still feeling X, Y, Z. Whereas for many years, we were told, go to the doctor and what he or she says is gospel and you may not question I like seeing that trend as a, as a consumer. Yes. Self-advocation is huge and it's surging. Uh, And I think COVID had something to do with that as well. Yeah. Uh, It it was a trend prior to COVID, but I I think COVID accelerated it. Um, And it's important because again, if you're going to a traditional primary care doctor, your GYN, you've got 10 to 15 minutes and you're going down your laundry list of things they, you know, sometimes they just can't think that fast. They're like, hey, doc, I feel exhausted. Can you check my iron? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, can you check yeah. my B12? Can, right. Can you know the questions to ask. You know. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's good in that sense, 100%. And also it keeps them on their toes. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if I had people coming into my office and be like, hey, why don't you double check the way you do things? I'd be like, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I, that. I, I think about my grandparents. They'd be over a hundred years old now, but when they were living and they had chronic illnesses, whatever the doctor said, and I okay. would go with them to their appointments to write notes because it's very hard when you're the patient to remember everything. And they would say, no, 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 no. That's what he said. We're doing what he said. And that is it. And that, that mindset has shifted to your point. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. For sure. I feel like there can mm-hmm. only be Heck, it's like the whole ethos of this platform. There's only good things that can happen when you can ask more questions. It's always a good thing, right? 
more communication, more understanding. Um, this is great. Samantha, I am, I'm just so grateful that you took time to talk with me and that we were able to connect after my episode last week, because we have covered an entire set of separate options for people who are interested in this space. So, um, just double checking. There's nothing I missed before we wrap. Anything else you want to throw out there? No, no. Okay. That was great. Uh, Where can we connect with New Drug Loft? Tell us anything that might be coming up that you guys are working on. Anything we'll we'll take. Our website is newdrugloft.com. If you're interested in learning if we're licensed to ship to your states, we welcome your phone calls and emails. And we have a tremendous amount of educational material on our website to, to educate both providers and patients. So it's, it's a great resource center. So I encourage people to, to check that out. Awesome. All right, Samantha, thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Abada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.